Yes, I'm going to attempt yet another visual illustration so you can all watch me fail. They seem, I don't know, somebody should start like keeping a stats on like how many of these things actually succeed and how much of them are just actually comic relief. Uh, but it worked in the 930s, so hopefully it'll work today, but we will get to that um, shortly. So, hey, we are in the final week of immersion where uh, we are really looking at what it means to live in light of the resurrection and more specifically, what does it really look like to live out the great commandment in the 21st century. And uh, we've been looking at, uh, you know, really intently of, of what each one of these components in an integrated sense means. And we've been using the metaphor of, sw of swimming. And the first week that we got actually into it, uh, we were talking about how loving God with all our heart or the water, you know, water emotions and all that together, what that looks like. Then we looked at uh, breathing and breathing in the uh, air of God and breathing in his spirit and what loving God with all of our soul and spirit looks like. And then we looked at what, you know, kind of navigating, what does it look like to love God with all of our mind? And then, uh, then two weeks ago, we looked at what, you know, the kick and loving God with all of our strength. And then last week, uh, the stroke and pull, loving others as ourself. And this week, we're really looking to, to kind of sum it up and put it all together, kind of going from kind of a, a intellectual discussion or a conceptual discussion of the great commandment to really putting it into action. And uh, I know that a lot of us, uh, you know, a lot of times we have like good intentions to kind of make changes in our lives that that we we know that something you know is probably going to be beneficial for us and we decide hey we're going to do this but something along the way you know happens and we get discouraged this happens all the time right like how many of us have you know on January 1st made a new year's resolution you know I'm not going, to, you know, I'm not going to eat after nine o'clock or I'm not going to eat dessert or, or I'm going to go to the gym, you know, every single day or I'm going to read my Bible every day or pray every day or, you know, I'm going to start hanging out with my kids more or different things like this. You know, we, how many of us have, have kind of made these, these resolutions that we're going to make a change in our life? All good things, right? Stuff that we know intellectually will make a difference in our overall long-term life. But somewhere along the line, we, we get tripped up, we get discouraged, and we stop doing it. That, that somewhere along the line, we're like, uh, you know, say that you're, you're going, you decided, I'm going to read my Bible every day at lunch, but one day you forget your Bible at home, and you don't read it, and the next time you're just like, oh, well, it's blown. And 
The reality is that, that healthy patterns of life are, are, are not easy and they're not a given. Because if they were easy and they were a given, we'd all be our ideal late weight. We'd all be, you know, geniuses. We would, we would all have perfect relationships. We would, you know, have all these things. They're just, it's not a given and they're hard to do. And, and there's some things that we do well, but there's other things that we don't do very well at all. And when we try to do those things, as well-intentioned as we are, Somehow, something intervenes and happens, and we fail. And this is kind of a principle in uh, just becoming an endurance athlete that, that I've kind of learned that, that no matter how fit you are, you, you, know, you can't run a marathon in one stride. No matter how great of a swimmer you are, it doesn't even matter if you're Michael Phelps or Amanda Beard, that, that you can't swim from Alcatraz Island to the shores of San Francisco in one stroke. You just cannot do it. The other thing is true is that no one has ever run a marathon or, or swam, you know, a long-distance race perfectly. That there's times where you stumble. There's times that, that you have a bad stroke. And the difference between somebody succeeding in so, and, and failing is not perfection, but it is the desire to keep on going and pick yourself up after a failure happens. There's a well-known scholar that I, I think really put it well. Her name's Dory. Just keep swimming. I mean, really, that's, that's the difference. As, as we are moving forward, as we're moving toward hopefully experiencing the life that God has envisioned for us, we are going to come up against obstacles. Many of us, I've had many conversations through this series of, of different people trying to put in different kind of disciplines in their lives to help them experience something than what they are currently experiencing or were currently experiencing. And the truth is, with every single one of them, is they're going to come into obstacles. They're going to come up against obstacles and barriers. People who, you know, uh, Sarah Mack and I uh, were talking about one of her goals, and, and she's had strep throat three times uh, since she's made a goal. And you know what? Though strep throat will keep you from doing, achieving, you know, different things. But the, the trick is to keep on swimming once that you are healthy enough, to not let it beat you. And, you know, I was thinking about different things and, and, and thinking about this idea of, you know, if we want to be good at the great commandment, living out the great commandment. I mean, you ever think about it that way? You know, like, uh, you know, actually wanting to, to do the great commandment and live out the great commandment in your life in a, in a real tangible way. You know, how do you do that? And a couple of years ago, actually, Paul and I were talking. Paul's a phenomenal runner. 
you should see the calves on him. I mean, they're just they, people stop him in the street, you know. But he's a he's a he's a phenomenal runner. And uh, several years ago, you might remember this, Paul. I'm not a very good runner. I, I run more like you ever see the Hulk, how he runs like Hulk smash. Like, that's how I run. And uh, you see pictures of me, and you expect the asphalt to be, like, broken every step that I got. But, but Paul runs really well, and I was like, Paul, you know, I, I would love to become a good runner like you. He's like, you know how to become a good runner. I was like, cool, I'm going to get a secret here. Uh, you know, a secret, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like a gazelle. I'm no longer going to be like the, the Hulk. So I'm ready to hear hear this 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 secret do you remember what you said you don't says you got to run you want to become a good runner you just you got to run more right come on confirm so uh so there you go Paul confirms that we had this meaningful conversation together it meant something to me obviously nothing to him and uh so so you know you know, going, ah, you know what? There isn't a shortcut. There's just this idea that you gotta, you gotta run more. Uh, several months ago, I, I was at the, I was at the gym and, and there was this guy who was, uh, just, just banging out these pull-ups, like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, he was, he was knocking them out like I eat M&Ms, you know, just, uh, just, just amazing. And I had a trainer friend near me and I, I turned to him and, and I said, wow, that is amazing. You know, I, I just, I can't imagine ever doing pull-ups like that. And then he turns to me and goes, you know how to get good at doing pull-ups? And I thought to myself, I know the answer to this question. <laughs> and I said, what? He says, do pull-ups. They thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> and... Something triggered in my, in my mind, there, uh, Margaret Feinberg uh, wrote in her book, Sacred Echo, about this. Sometimes God sends you a sacred, a sacred echo of, of a truth that from different people in different circumstances to kind of prompt you in a certain direction of where you need to go. And this is the sacred echo is if we want to live out the life that God has envisioned for us, and we want to be fully devoted followers of Christ in person and in, in, in teaching, and Christ says that the most important thing in life is to holistically love God and, uh, and to love others as ourselves, that if we want to do that well, if we want to do this life well, that means that we need to practice and put into practice these things that, that Christ has laid out for us, the very things that we've been talking about over the past several weeks. James, in uh, his book, self-titled James, in, in chapter 1, verse 22, he put it this way, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Don't just listen, but do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. I think that's really profound. Like just this, this idea of if, if the extent of our 
followership of Christ is just listening, but not putting into practice, we are only fooling ourselves that we are fully devoted followers of Christ. I had a friend in high school who used to put it this way when somebody was being a fool, like saying one thing but living a, another way. He, he would say, you are playing the fool's game, and the only person you're fooling is yourself. And this is what James is saying is like, look, don't be a fool. Don't, don't just sit there and say, yeah, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this. And listen, but not put it into practice. That the, that the component of followership is actually putting into practice the words and the teachings of Jesus Christ. Verse 23 says, For if you listen to the word and don't, don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully at into the perfect law that sets you free, which is Jesus. And if you do what it says, don't forget what you heard. Then God will bless you for doing it. This idea of, you know what, you want to be blessed? You want to live a blessed life? You want to live the life that God has envisioned for you? That means that we have to take away, we have to go from a, a conceptual understanding or intellectual consent of a set of values or ideas and actually put them into practice, into our daily lives. And it doesn't have to be perfect, but keep on putting them into practice until it becomes part of our everyday pattern. Paul, writing a letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, puts it this way. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers will be filled with love and that comes from a pure heart and a clear conscience and genuine faith. Some people have missed the whole point. They have turned away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussion. Paul's writing... Look, guys, my words are not put out to you so you can argue about them. I think about how much arguing happens over Paul's words. Even to this day, you know, predestination versus free will, all of these kind of kind of different things. Are they important? Does it change what you're going to do today? Will we ever know in this side of heaven? Paul's saying, look, my teachings are not so to give you kind of debate power, but to have you filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. Don't miss the point on this, he's saying. Don't spend your time in meaningless discussion time. And I think that this is really what it comes down to is time. How do we spend our time? See, the truth is that no matter, it doesn't matter if you're Bill Gates or Michael Phelps or, or me or, or even you, we all have 24 hours in a day. It blows me away. 
Some people accomplish a lot in those 24 hours. Some people accomplish not so much, right? Nice way to put it. So Paul is saying, look, don't waste your time in meaningful, meaningless discussion. So how should we spend our time? And I would say that we should spend our time on the things that are important to God. What God said is the most important thing, and that is the very thing that we are talking about, holistically loving God and loving people. But this is how most of us spend our time, myself included. We gravitate toward the things that, that come natural or easier to us or things that we, we have a tendency to excel at. Let's say that this uh, red uh, water is 24 hours, okay? And let's say that these, these five cups here are our heart, soul, mind, strength, and loving others. And a lot of us, you know, say that we, we just we have a quest for learning. And we just want more knowledge and more knowledge and more knowledge. And, and we just kind of like, we spend just an awful amount of our, of our day in, on that. And maybe, uh, maybe we, we spend some time relationally. And maybe we go to church on Sunday. And occasionally we'll give something to Goodwill. And what we find is that, that we have this kind of disproportional life. Now, intellectually, you may have lots of letters before your name and after your name. Maybe that, you know, you, you can smack down when it comes to final jeopardy that you haven't lost out of any of your friends that, that, that you know, Google Googles you when they want to find out something, Right. But your, your relationships are okay. That, that your, your relationship with God is nearly non-existent. Maybe, maybe you found yourself engaged in, you know, maybe you're, you've fallen into taking uppers to stay up at night to study more or maybe have fallen into sexual sin or have, have uh, not treating your body as, as a temple that, you know what, you're not really impacting anybody else's life in a powerful way. I would say that, that this person probably is not experiencing the life that God has envisioned for them. This person is probably not living out a rich and satisfying and joyous life. They may have lots of accolades. They may have a lot of accolades and maybe people think they're really smart, but are they really experiencing the life that God's envisioned for them? I read an article about Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps says, that his day 
consists of swimming about 12,000 meters every day. And then he eats and he sleeps and does it again. Apparently he has time to smoke a little pot too, but Is Michael Phelps living out the life that God's envisioned for him? He is a phenomenal swimmer. But how is, how is his relationship with God? How is his relationship with friends and family? Is he bringing God glory in there? How is he intellectually? I'm sure Mario Brothers or something is very stimulating, but, but is he seeking you know, truth? Is he impacting other people's lives? You see, we gravitate toward things, things that, 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 that feed our egos and make us feel good about ourselves. But a lot of times we do at the expense of other things in our life. And I think really the, the, the way that God has, has laid it out, at least in the, in the great commandment, how Jesus told us the most important thing is to say, you know what? We have to be intentional about living each and every one of these aspects out in our integrated life of holistic, holistically loving God and equally as important, loving others as ourselves. If we don't intentionally do it, then we're going to go to the default of what just makes us feel good at the time. And you know what that results in? Is a lot of times, loneliness and, and depression and broken relationships and, and, and uh, a spiritual just kind of uh, wasteland and a life that isn't impacting anybody for the positive. And that is not what God has intended. And I think really the only way to, to do this is to actually figure out how are you going to implement the great commandment in your life every single day? And this, again, is the, is the principle of if, if life is a marathon and not a sprint, making sure that we are taking one step closer each and every day to the goal that Christ has envisioned for us this rich, satisfying, and joyous life. And this is why I'm a strong proponent of, of creating a life budget. And a life budget that is based on the great commandment. And I call this a whole, whole life. And the, the W stands for worship. The, the H stands for heart. O is for others. L is for learning because all truth is God's truth. And E is for, for uh, eating and activity and rest. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And I think that, that the, the goal here is to, to look at our life in a, in a whole way and say, all right, what do I need to do? How do I connect with God? How am I going to breathe in God each and every day. And it's different for each and every one of us. For Pastor Dan, 
He loves being out in nature. And, and like he was telling me about how he, you know, got a kayak on, on Craigslist. And, and, you know, he goes out there and he'll go like hike the, the Appalachian Trail. Is that right? Appalachian? Appalachian Trail. And, and he's loving it. For my, for my daughter, that would be connecting with the devil. I mean, she often says at our house, I don't like living things. That's why we lock our doors at night. Uh, but figuring out what in our, in our lives, how do we connect with God? How do we breathe in the Spirit of God into our life? It's different for each and every one of us. And it's like, it takes some work. I understand that. But don't you think experiencing a rich and satisfying, joyous life, the life that God has envisioned for us, is worth giving a little mind time to figuring out how to incorporate that into our lives? Or how about heart? Figuring out how do we, how do we love God with all our heart? How do we bring glory to God to, with it? to God in our relationships, in our emotional well-being, and, and how, do we, how do we deal with these different things, and you know, how do we deal with disappointment? How do we deal with the betrayal? How do we interact with the world around us? And, and thinking, how do, I, how do I implement that to make sure that I have a short account with people and, and that I'm living a, a, a healthy emotional Life. How do I bring glory to God with all of my heart? Or how am I loving others? You know, like we talked about last week, this is not my sweet spot. And if I'm not intentional in loving others myself, then it's going to fall off the list. And just thinking of different ways of how do I love others as myself? How do I make this a lordship issue? And I do not because I just happen to do it, but I do it because Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my king, and he told me to do it. And I believe that this is the best thing for me. Hmm. <laughs> Learning. Uh, and... Learning is this, you know, this thing, I, a lot, and we talked about this during the Navigate, loving God with all your mind, that, that for a lot of Christians and a lot of non-Christians, that, that there's this kind of like tension in learning. But let me tell you, all truth is God's truth. It may not, that truth may not fit in the paradigm of what you were taught religiously, but if it is true, if it is true, then it is God's truth. So we as followers of Christ do not need to be worried about what we learn because if it is true, it is a truth from God. And when we learn truth and we know truth, then we know God even better. And keeping that in balance and figuring out how can we learn God's truth more each and every day. And then finally... Eating and, and uh, activity and rest. And just figuring out how do we fuel our activity? What are our activities? You know, yeah, we need activity to, to match our, our intake, but also what are we doing with our temple? You know, are we keeping away from sexual sin? Are, are, are we... Uh, 
not giving ourselves over to things that will not that will only not only de- uh, hurt our body but also hurt our soul and our in our mind. What kind of activities are are we using the temple of the Holy Spirit to do? And how do we use our temple to actually bring glory to God and then rest? You know, this is one that I have problem with, and I'm sure a lot of you do too. But the truth is that right at the beginning of the Bible, God does all of this activity and then he rests. And if God rested, what are we saying when we say we don't need to rest? It dishonors our creator. And you may look at this and, and, and say, well, Mark, maybe I'll, if, I, if I live life that way, I may never win a gold medal. Hmm. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. Can you be a fully devoted follower of Christ and be an Olympian? Of course you can. But I would say that you would have to be extremely disciplined to actually be living the life that God has envisioned for you. That you, you would have less time to do other things. And that's really what it comes down to is that we have to make choices. And these are the have-tos in life. This is, the, this is the, the path to experiencing a rich and satisfying and joyous life is making sure that these things are in balance. And for some of us, you know, these levels are, are equal but, but full. Some of us are amazingly gifted and, and have a high capacity. For other of us, it's, it's less. But it's really what is your goal? Is your goal to go for a prize, an academic prize, an athletic prize, a, uh, I don't know, do they give prizes out for being relationally whole? I don't know. Maybe they do in hospitals or something. You know, what, what is your goal? Is your, is your goal to, to hear and experience a life that God has envisioned for you? Or is it f- to earn a prize that will fade away? And if you choose the prize that will fade away, the, the, then, then fine. But know what the trade-off is. For Paul, he says this, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. What Paul is saying here is, look, it's not easy. I have to discipline myself like an athlete. And I don't know what it is for Paul. I don't know if loving others was a difficult thing for him or, or, or what kind of things were difficult for him, but obviously following a Christ was not something that just happened, that it was a, something that he had to intentionally put in his life. And 
to experience the life that God has envisioned for us, it's not just going to happen. It's going to take intentionality, and it is going to take us to be disciplined, to put into practice the things that Christ said are the most important things. And I just want to leave you with this. That I believe that we're at a turning point. And I've talked about this before, but one of the, there were four major sporting events in the ancient world. There was the Olympics, and, and there was the Pantheon Games, and there was also the Isthmian. And, and this was in Corinth, and this is actually when, when Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians that he was talking about the Isthmian Games. And, and basically what they, they had was this arena. And this was an amazing arena in the ancient world. It would actually seat 100,000 people. And every four years when the Ithmian Games happened, this place would be packed. And they would have boxing and wrestling and all these things they was talking about. They'd also have chariot racing. But the main event, the culmination, was ballroom dancing. No, it was the running race. And people would come from all over the territory to see this running race. If you can kind of picture it, the stadium of 100,000 people, and then on the floor there was this oval track. And from one side to the other, it was 606 feet. And in the middle of this track, there was three posts, three pillars, and engraved in the first pillar was Excel. And then in the, right in the middle, there's this center pillar. It said hasten. And then on the third pillar at the far end, 606 feet away, there was the final pillar of the third pillar. And it said, engraved on it, turn. I love that. So here you have the, they would shoot off the gun or crack the whip or whatever they did thousands of years ago, 2,000 years ago to start a race, go. And they would take off and, and you could imagine on the left-hand side, they would come to that first pillar and they would see the words excel. And they just kind of excel and they get going and they, they dig down deep and they keep on going and then they get to the middle of the track and, and they get to the next, the next pillar and it says, hasten, keep going. And then they would get to the edge of the oval, at the end of the oval, 606 feet away and they'd see the next pillar turn. Now I don't know if Athletes were idiots back then. But I think it makes this beautiful spiritual point. That for many of us, we begin our spiritual journey and we want to excel and we keep on moving. And we hit the next part, we see hasten and maybe we're reading the Bible and, and then you know, maybe a friend finally invites us to kind of a local church. And for a lot of people, 
I think that they think that that's the end of the race. That they get here and they sit down and they're like, okay, when are you coming back, Jesus? But I think what Paul is trying to illustrate here and, and what our learning is, is that, you know what? That, that being here is not the end of the race, but this is meant to be an encouragement in our turning point. That we're meant to gather together and encourage one another, outbursts and love and good deeds. And, and in, this, in this race, as they would hit that, that post, it was meant to be a place of encouragement. I'm, I'm, I'm halfway done. And now I get to turn and now I am heading toward the life that God has envisioned for me. I'm heading for the finish line. And as they would run, they would come back to that center post. But, and this time, again, it says hasten, but it has a whole nother meaning, right? On the way out, it's hasten, you know, just going out. But when you're on the way back, it's like, oh my gosh, now I am three-fourths of the way done, approximately. And how exciting is that? And then coming to that final pillar, and it, and it says excel, and no longer does this excel mean that I'm at the beginning of my race, but I am close to the finish. And then finally hit the finish line, the true finish line. And for those of us who are followers of Christ, is to be able to look back at the race and say, you know, I didn't run perfectly. I, maybe I tripped. A couple of times, maybe I stumbled, maybe I bumped into some people, but I finished the race. And we have achieved that prize. And what is that prize? Standing in front of our Creator someday and hear the words, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Will you guys pray with me? Dear God, thank you for this journey. God, my prayer is that, as James says, we will not just hear, but we will actually do. That we will take a real estimation of the time that you've entrusted to us and take a step back and really realize that there's things that we naturally gravitate to and that the ones that we don't do are, are an opportunity for growth, an opportunity for us to submit ourselves to your lordship in that area of our lives. And God, we do not seek accolades of the world, but we seek your approval and we desperately want to hear someday as you look at our race that you see that we did experience a rich and satisfying and joyous life that we did live out the life that you've envisioned for us and that with resounding passion and love you tell us well done my good and faithful servant Amen.